So Department of Disability and Aging Services Commission meeting of Wednesday, October 5th, 2022 to order. I am the DOS Commission President, Martha Knudsen. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to the provisions of the Brown Act and recent executive orders issued by the governor to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. The governor recently signed a new amendment to the Brown Act to allow continued use of teleconferencing for public meetings during a state of emergency, provided that commissions such as ours make certain findings. To comply with this legal requirement, items five and six on this morning agenda is the request to consider whether continued use of teleconferencing will minimize health risks and whether our commission is able to use teleconferencing in a manner that allows public participation and transparency. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and the staff who are watching us live on sfgovtv. The Commission asks and thanks for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters that are presenting via WebEx are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Um, Secretary, can you please take the roll? Thank you, President Knutson. Commissioners, please respond with present when I call your name. President Martha Knutson? Present. Vice President Janet Spears? Commissioner Sasha Bittner? Present. Commissioner Wanda Jung? Present. Commissioner Nelson Lum? Present. Commissioner Barbara Sklar? Not present. And DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman? Here. President Knutson, we have a quorum. Great, thank you. Commissioners, the next item is item three, communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during general public comment. Both channels 78 and sfgovtv.org are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during public comment period are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1-415-655-0001 with access code 2492-947395 pound and then pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location 
Speak clearly and slowly and turn down your television or radio. You will have three minutes to speak. You will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. After 30 seconds, you'll be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted via email to ravi.derbige at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it'll be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are there are any other communications from the are there any other communications from the DOS commission members? Okay, we can move to the next item. Great, thank you. Um, commissioners, your next item is Agenda 4, approving the minutes of the Wednesday, September 7th, 2022, DOS Commission meeting. Are there any comments or questions from the Commission regarding the Wednesday, September 7th, 2022, DOS Commission meeting minutes? Seeing none. Um, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Do we have anyone in the public who wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, is there a motion to approve the Wednesday, September 7th, 2022 DOS Commission meeting minutes? I move. From uh, Commissioner Bittner has moved a second from Commissioner Jung. Um, can we please take a roll call vote to approve the Wednesday, September 7th, 2022 DOS Commission meeting minutes? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you. Then, commissioners, your next item is Agenda 5, which is a resolution to hold in-person meetings with some members possibly re appearing remotely. Uh, are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding this resolution? And then, hearing none, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Is there anyone in the public that wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve agenda item five? I move. Okay, from Commissioner Bittner has moved. A second from Commissioner Jung. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the resolution to hold in-person meetings with some members possibly appearing remotely? And let me um, note that Commissioner Bittner and um, Commissioner Lum are appearing remotely today. President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you. Commissioners, your next item is Agenda 6, and it's an authorization to allow third-party presenters who are not city employees to attend commission meetings virtually, pending any government code change or mayoral supplement to the emergency proclamation. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding this resolution? Hearing none, um, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Is there anyone in the public that wishes to comment? 
Moderator, can you please open the phone line for public comment? We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve agenda item six? So moved. Uh, moved by Commissioner Jung, a second uh, from Commissioner Lum. <laughs> Mr. Secretary, please take a roll call vote to approve the authorization to allow third-party presenters who are not city employees to attend commission meetings virtually pending any California government code change or mayoral supplement to the emergency proclamation. President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, we are at item seven, which is the executive director's report. And may I offer you a happy birthday today? <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. Um, <laughs> Thank you, that's, that's, that's really kind. Um, um, good morning, commissioners. Uh, really nice to be here. I have a short report for you today. Um, not to say that this month has been quiet. Everybody's been working really diligently. I just don't have any big items to report. So the first thing is I attended the California for All Ages and Abilities um, event in Sacramento last month. It was an opportunity to hear about the governor's vision of a California for all, and the California Master Plan for Aging stakeholders came together to discuss aging, disability, and equity for all of Californians and how we plan to get there. I will say it was the first time I heard so much talk about older adults and people with disabilities, along with stories from caregivers. So it was really an uplifting and inspiring day. I spent the next two days at a strategic planning session for C4A, the California Association of Area Agencies on Aging. I was recently elected to serve as the legislative chair for C4A, and in our first breakout session, the legislative priorities we came up with, which we're still trying to figure out, are housing and homeless. We understand that the principal public policy, this is the principal public policy issue facing California. One concrete idea we are considering um, as a legislative ask is increasing home sharing opportunities and removing barriers. So um, for example, if a non-family member lives in a house uh, who provides care, the requirement to register as a board and care facility should be waived so that someone else could come in and provide care. It's more complicated than that, but um, uh, we are trying to consider that as a way to keep people housed and get more people housed. Uh, we're also interested in establishing a, a pilot to examine how SOGI da data is being collected and utilized, um, leading to recommendations to improve both, and I'm sure if we start talking about that, they'll be looking at San Francisco as we are um, so involved in that. Uh, the exploration of development and issuance of a state bond funding senior centers um, for their establishment and operation, and this is recognizing that 25% of the population uh, will be an older adult as soon as 2030, and we're not ready. Um, so uh, we're also looking for ways to maintain sustainable funding for existing um, AAA programs. So that's what's going on in the state level. Um, I don't have any particular local or state legislative items to discuss, 
and the budget instructions for us will be coming out next month, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of um, discussion at the next, um, at our next commission hearing. So that is about all I have for now, unless there are any questions. No, thank you. Do we have any questions from commissioners? I don't have questions, but I, uh, it's like a director, uh, Darren, I just want to say congratulations for being appointed chair of the uh, legislative committee. Um, I really see that that's going to be a great uh, leadership on your part to get us to closer or to where we need to be right. in this area. So congratulations. And thanks for spending your birthday with us. Of course. <laughs> that's totally fine. And uh, being elected, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, so I will <laughs> okay. But it does help because on U.S. aging, I serve on the public policy and grassroots committee, so it feels like it's all connected now, and so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Um, I just wanted to say happy birthday to you and also. Thank you. We get to connect about sometimes. Yeah, I would love to do that. We will. I will have Ravi figure that out. Thank okay. you, Commissioner. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just besides the agreeing with those top priorities completely. Um, the SOGI data is. I'm glad you were able to bring that into it. Uh, I really appreciate that. So. Sure. Well, they are going to be looking to us yes. to model how to do that. So thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, then we I think we're going to move on to employee recognition. Excellent. Okay. So do you want Commissioners, item eight is the DOS employee employee recognition. Executive Director Dearman, President Knutson, and the DOS Commission will honor Rihanna Albert, who is an administrative analyst at the Office of Community Partnership at DOS. It on. Oh, here we go. You want me to go with you? Sure. We should, have <laughs> should we do a group photo? <laughs> okay. Hi. Okay. Congratulations. Uh, Rihanna joined the Office of Community Partnerships, OCP, in 2017 as an administrative analyst, and she hit the ground running. Rihanna immediately immersed herself and learned the skills to support the San Francisco Connected program. She was instrumental in the replacement of over, of over 200 computers in the 50 technology labs throughout the city. She also took on the program's Consumer Survey Administration, which won an N4A Innovation Award. Rihanna carries the professionalism and openness to grow her knowledge of programs and projects. She managed the OCP dashboard, which informs staff and management of current service levels that were provided to our consumers. She also expanded the contracts in her portfolio to include community services, legal, naturalization, and programs serving transgender and gender nonconforming older adults and adults with disabilities. You have been super busy. Um, Rihanna has shown herself as a reliable and trustworthy team, team member. She is always willing to help her colleagues navigate our processes and actively shares her ideas and support. Her passion and dedication to her work have truly helped bring out the best in our team and our work to the next level. Congratulations. Just want to say thank you for the recognition. Um, 
You know, I wouldn't be here without the support of all my colleagues in the Office of Community Partnerships. Um, but I think the real recognition goes to all the agencies and community-based organizations that we work with. They're really the ones that are doing all the hard work. So, thank you. All right, commissioners. Item nine is the advisory council report presented by the advisory council president, Diane Lawrence. Good, <clears throat> good morning, commissioners. Uh, Executive Director Dearman, I also want to wish you a happy birthday and hope it's the start of a great year for you. Uh, the advisory council met on September 21st. There weren't any action items. Um, the Executive Director of the Department of Housing Support and Homeless Homelessness, uh, Shereen McSpadden was supposed to speak with us, but uh, the mayor called, so we um, have postponed that until our October meeting. Uh, Dr. Marcy Edelman gave uh, some updates, not only on the LGBTQ community, but also on some of the um, State Commission on Aging um, issues and also the uh, conference that uh, Executive Director Dearman referenced uh, in her director's report. Um, she said that for and at the California conference for all, there were three priorities for next year and that each committee was looking at um, recommendations that came out of the master plan for on aging so that um, and they were also involved. Um, this is also a focus of the State Commission on Aging. Uh, and the goal of this is to give the administration a clear understanding and clear message with help and to address possible overlap. Uh, there was more, more focus on disability and aging and an integration of disability with aging. Um, and some of the groups included an equity advisory committee, a research committee, elder and Dis disability justice council, Alzheimer's and related diseases, and a stakeholder committee. And as executive director Dearman uh, pointed out, we know that we will be uh, with 25% or more of our population um, 60 or older by 2030, and we still have a long way to go. Um, on September 8th, there was the open house grand opening of the Community Activity Center, and this is a hybrid program, and open house is in partnership with OnLock, and it's primarily focused on LGBTQ older adults, uh, and it's the first of its kind um, in the US. So uh, we'll hear more on that, I'm sure, as time goes on. Onlock, uh, it eventually we'll have a meal service uh, as they work out the contracts and the logistics. But this, uh, from what Dr. Edelman told us, this has been, um, the pandemic kind of slowed up the open house and the uh, launch of the program. So we're excited to see that that's been done. Um, there was also a report on the uh, California Commission on Aging. We're fortunate because Dr. Edelman sits on the commission, so we get, we're able to get updates um, 
pretty regularly on what's going on at the state level. And um, one of the things is that there's a increase in focus on tailored behavioral help for um, older adults. And as a result of this part of the report, we were talking, discussing the fact that behavioral health is probably a more appropriate term than mental health, and that there's a move um, to, to begin talking about behavioral health, health rather than mental health uh, as we move forward. It helps with funding, it helps with um, understanding and probably a little less stigma along the way. Um, and the department is also looking at workforce development for older adults and persons with disability. And uh, to the uh, focus of the legislation that uh, executive director um, spoke about is um, the request, the continued need for SOGI data for LGBTQ older adults. Um, and the um, CSL uh, gave us an update where, as you know, and I'll report in a few minutes, they were moving, we're winding down the uh, legislative session and we will um, be, um, the CSL is continuing to meet virtually. Um, they so far have 19 proposals for next year and those will be slimmed down to the top 10. Um, this year they had an 80% pickup rate by the legislature, so eight, by the legislators. So, um, and six are in a position to be, to be signed. I'll have an update on that uh, more next month and two already have been, and I've noted those in my let, joint lunch report. Um, the representatives of CSL are looking at the master plan priorities and developing their proposals around them. And they have noticed that when bills have a dollar amount around it, it gets pushed to the budget committee simultaneously. So they're keeping that um, in mind um, as they move forward. And I happened to be at a town hall with assembly member Ting held last Saturday, and he referenced that as well, that the department, um, that the legislature is looking at anytime there's a long-term, a continuing program, they wanna make sure that the funding is there in the future. So this is probably a smart way uh, to go. And um, so they're taking more of a two-pronged approach now to the legislation. So we'll see where that goes next year. And there is a typo. We also discussed the care courts, not the care count. <clears throat> I do proofread these things, honest. Um, and that has been passed and signed. And as I noted in my report, uh, Dr. Alan Cooper had published an opinion piece in the Examiner, which he, um, on, on the care courts. Um, I've already reached out to um, Jill Nielsen and she'll come in January to speak to the council, not only on <clears throat> the work her unit does, but also on the care courts. We realize that Jill has come previously, but the council has changed significantly since she's been there before. So we've already got that going and uh, so that, that's good. We'll also keep an eye on what San Diego County is doing. Unfortunately, the TAC member uh, that I knew from San Diego recently passed away. So I'll need to reach out to someone else and see what we can find out about San Diego. We also had a site visit. Um, it was only the virtual part, but that's okay. And it was the Bayview Senior Center, which is also the George Davis Center. And um, the focus 
had started to be on the Western edition and they're combined. Um, so it was more on the website um, and those are detailed and they do have an ex offender program that I think our member when she goes to visit in person will um, will find out more about. And um, so the member updates are pretty um, uh, all spelt out in my report. Curry has been given, Curry Senior Center has been given a grant to help with technology and it will include some personal computer help um, as well as the um, online uh, and uh, group uh, training programs. The, um, because of the discussion on planning department, we got off into a discussion on um, concerns about housing and climate change and toxic sites. Um, which are a little bit out of our purview, but they also help um, us as, as we look at, at housing issues. Um, and then uh, on October 17th, the 80 on 80 program is having its celebration of the book launch. Um, and our own uh, council member, Margaret Graf, uh, who was interviewed for the book, uh, will be attending. And the 1939 Market Street which is a contract partnership with Mercy Housing and Open House. Uh, this is for housing and um, there uh, will be LGBTQ welcoming and it will be, uh, housing will be for 25% uh, will come from the preferred neighborhood. And we will meet in, um, on October 19th. Uh, just as a quick update, we voted in August, we will not have a December 21st meeting Figured it was a little too close to the holidays, so we'll uh, meet in November and then we'll meet again in uh, January, where we will have elections for our new slate of officers. Right. That's it. <laughs> well, that's a lot. <laughs> so thank you so much. Are there any questions or comments from commissioners on this, all this work that's being done? All right. Well, thank you then. Um, we want to move on to the joint uh, legislative report. So, as I mentioned earlier, we're winding down. Um, they we focused on those bills that were enrolled, which means they went to the governor's desk for signature. And I heard an estimate that the governor had between 700 and 900 bills to review and decide what he was going to do with them by uh, September 30th. And those were bills that were on his desk by September 1st. And so far, um, the bills we had been tracking, I've listed here. Um, so far, uh, two had been signed, and that those were on long-term health care facilities, and that's increasing the inspections or setting up a regular schedule for. Um, and then the uh, one on dental services is to have trained hygienists and other um, trained staff at long-term care facilities to help with dental care and cleaning, because we know that's really in, um, important. And um, the one bill we have been tracking, um, the Medi-Cal personal needs monthly, Medi-Cal monthly maintenance amount that's been on my report forever, uh, it will probably continue because the governor vetoed it. Mm -hmm. And I will, um, and basically it's because it's ongoing funding and that needs to be provided for. Um, so I will uh, include where possible 
Next month, those that are vetoed, the veto messages. Um, so far, the couple I've looked at, it's pretty much the same thing. It's the ongoing, it's, it's how to provide ongoing um, summary. And then um, there's one other bill that, um, that I have a footnote here for, which is on the um, gender affirming healthcare. One of the things that's interesting in that bill that I wanted to point out is that it prevents, uh, prohibits information being shared from other states and uh, other states or entities. And I thought that was important to point out so that if a family moves, um, the information from California cannot be shared. Hmm. So we will meet again in October, but we'll have a shortened meeting so we can just kind of clean up what, what got passed, what got vetoed that was on our list. We will not meet in November and December, and then we'll start again in January with a brand new two-year session. All right. Thank you so much. Are there any questions or comments from commissioners? I just have a quick comment. Mm -hmm. Commissioner oh. John. Yeah. Ms. Lewis, I, I just want to really thank you for all your work, and the summary of uh, the different uh, pending bills really was really helpful. So I just want to say thank mm -hmm. you. Well, the detailed report, I have to thank Valerie uh, Coleman and Cindy Kaufman and the staff at DOS because um, they do the hard work on the on the detailed report. I take it and summarize it for you, but I know that the charts always help me, so I'm glad they're helping you as well. Yes, thank you. No, thank you for that, and we do review it, so we appreciate getting that, along with your advisory report, which we can read thank now, you. which is great, before the meetings. I did want to make one more comment, and that is to Executive Director Dearman. Any help the Joint Ledge Committee can give and any areas you want us to track in your new role with uh, C4A, let us know um, so that we can be in alignment there and make sure we're, we're tracking those and supporting where we need to, where it's appropriate to support. Thank you so much. I totally appreciate that and I will be calling on you. Right. Good. Right. You have my number. <laughs> Thank you. Um, then I, th are there, we did the questions or comments, we're fine. We can move on to the item 11, the case report. And I understand Daniel Gallagher is unable to attend the meeting today, but he did provide us with a report, which all commissioners have had a chance to review. So uh, were there any comments or questions from the commission regarding the case report? I'm hearing none, then I think we'll just move on to item 12, which is uh, for public comment. Commissioners, item 12 is public comment. An opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that, that would like to address the commission today? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment. We allow some time for callers to submit the request. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Commissioners, your next item is item 13, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you'd like to discuss. Webex? Okay, Here, hearing none, I'll move on to item 14, um, new business. The first item is informational only, um, and then items 14B and 14E are action items that will require a vote by the commission. Um, the first item is 14A, uh, the presentation of the Community Living Fund six-month report. So this will cover the time period January through June 2022, and uh, Fannie Lapitan will be presenting this item. Welcome. 
Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners and Executive Director Dearman. Uh, my name is Fanny Labutan, Director of the DOS Benefits and Resources Hub. I'm here to present to you today the Community Living Fund six-month report covering um, the period of January through June 2022. This report fulfills the San Francisco Administrative Code requirement for DOS to provide information on CLF's level of services and costs incurred every six months. So as you know, the Community Living Fund, or CLF, was created in 2006 through San Francisco Ordinance, um, and it's really to support aging in place and provide community placement alternatives for people who would otherwise require care within an institution. CLF provides home and community-based services through coordinated case management and the purchase of goods and services that are not covered through other uh, resources or means. The Institute on Aging, or IOA, is currently the uh, contracted service provider for these services. The program serves um, adult San Francisco residents with income up to 300% of the federal poverty level. The individuals must be willing and able to live in the community with appropriate supports, and they have to have a demonstrated need for, for um, CLF services to help them live in the community and prevent institutionalization. The target population includes individuals ready for discharge from Laguna Honda Hospital, San Francisco General, um, and other San Francisco skilled nursing facilities. CLF also serves individuals who are at imminent risk of institutional placement, but are um, willing and able to remain in the community with the wraparound support services. Um, CLF program currently includes a PG housing fund that specifically provides housing subsidy and assistance to individuals conserved by a public guardian and also meet CLF criteria. Additionally, CLF provides housing subsidy support through Brilliant Corners, our contracted community partner um, that administers rental subsidy and helps acquire scattered site housing units throughout San Francisco. So for the six-month period covering January through June 2022, CLF received a total of 109 new referrals during the period. Um, about 62% of those referred were eligible to receive services. In total, CLF served 283 participants, again, during the six-month period, um, with 70% receiving intensive case management and purchase of equipment and services through IOA. Uh, 98 of these also receive rental subsidy uh, assistance through Brilliant Corners. Trends in ethnic profile of new referrals remain generally consistent with prior periods. Um, the majority of our referrals at 36% come from, um, are for white individuals, followed by black African-American referrals at 22%. Uh, we also received Asian Pacific Islander referrals at 19% and then um, Latinx at 18%. The most common self-reported service need requested through CLF remain consistent again with prior periods and that would be um, case management, in-home support, assistive devices, and housing related services. As for program costs, uh, this reporting period shows a decrease in program costs compared to the prior six months. Uh, average monthly costs for CLF participants who received any purchased goods or services, uh, if we exclude costs for home care and rental subsidies, would be 189. 
per month per person. Um, however, with home care costs and rental subsidies, that average goes up to about $2,228 per month. Um, as of September, the CLF waitlist had 35 referrals waiting to be assigned. On average, these individuals have been waiting for 97 days. Approximately 86% are waiting for intensive case management, and then the rest of them are waiting just for the purchase of service only. Uh, the, wait the wait list has increased compared to the previous six month period and that's primarily due to prioritization of individuals being referred from Laguna Honda Hospital. And then finally, notable during this six month period, um, DOS put together the community options and resource engagement or core team to help facilitate Laguna Honda Hospital patient discharges to independent living while the hospital uh, completes its recertification process with uh, CMS. The core team includes uh, uh, DOS, Department of Public Health, uh, Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing, we have IHSS, we have the Community Living Fund, Homebridge, um, SF Public Authority, and Brilliant Corners. Um, and really, um, well, the core team meets bi-weekly to develop a comprehensive uh, community care plan for individuals ready to discharge. And um, really, CLF, the CLF program plays a, um, a key role in the care coordination and stabilization of these individuals in the community. At this time, that would, uh, that would conclude my report, and I'd be happy to answer any question. Thank you so much. Or do we have any questions or comments from commissioners? I just have uh, mm -hmm. Commissioner Jones. Um, Ms. Lampeton, you, you just finished talking about the new core program that was set up in June. Do you, is it in here, I may have overlooked it, do we have numbers, do we know how many uh, uh, individuals we have helped through this program? We, uh, we do have numbers, I don't have them uh, readily available. We have uh, received um, a tentative list of possible um, individuals ready to be discharged from Laguna Honda. Um, but since I would say July, we've been meeting bi-weekly. We've probably gone through almost a you know, two dozen people uh, really reviewing their, um, their discharge plan. And some, um, you know, some, there's actually um, a lot of waiting for housing at this time. I think that's the major, the primary need that we're, we're that's sort of holding up um, any type of discharge. Um, but we we have been meeting every two weeks, and we're we're hearing you know anywhere from eight to ten individuals um, cases during those meetings. Thank you. Thank you. Great, and I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you for the six-month reports. They're so good, and I really do follow it, so I can always see, and I like that you bring out what's changed, so I, I really appreciate the way you do these reports. And what I wanted to note, in addition to, I know that there was a lot of challenges around Laguna Honda, so we've mentioned that and appreciate that this program is helping with that, trying to. Um, which is so essential, uh, but also that there's been a real uh, enhancement in outreach that you noted, and uh, both for people who speak other languages and also the LGBT communities, and that you had, in, because of that, you had increased the uh, statistics on that a little bit in terms of people who <coughs> have served. So I think this commission's always interested in improving outreach, and uh, anything that works becomes a model, so uh, we appreciate that you noted that in the report. Thank you, Commissioner. Mm -hmm. anything, anything else from commissioners? 
Yes. Okay. Um, then do we have any members of the public who want to comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on the Community Living Fund six-month report? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on the Community Living Fund six-month report. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment uh, and move on to uh, items 14B and 14G, which are action items that require a vote by the commission. Item 14B is requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of community services for the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $230,236 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $2,807,313. And uh, Tiana Coleman, welcome, it will be uh, presenting this item. Good morning, Commissioners and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Tiana Coleman. I am an analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships. I am seeking your approval to modify the existing grant agreements for multiple community service grants due to add back funding that will be used to enhance program services. As you know, community services provides programming intended to maintain or improve the well being of older adults and adults with disabilities through the provision of a variety of services and activities. Activities include art, exercise, and Tai Chi classes, English as a second language classes, and enhanced outreach plans. Enhanced outreach plans can be formal or collaborative efforts designed to reach targeted populations to address access barriers in their prospective communities. These are the following modifications. Bernal Heights Neighborhood Center has two locations, Excelsior, which is located in District 9, and Cortland, which is located in District 11. Both programs provide community services to older adults and adults with disabilities. Cortland and Excelsior add back funds will be allocated towards the same program expenses. The following, the funding, excuse me, will provide hiring a new administrative assistant position, which will have a racial equity component. The administrative assistant will collect data that impacts participants' ability to access resources and services like healthcare, employment, and food programs. The data collected will be used to identify the disparities and inequities that affect participants' ability to equitably access resources within their community. The organization will adjust their services and outreach accordingly to fill those identified gaps. Felton Community Center, which is located in District 10, will allocate the add back funds to continue funding their English as a second language classes at 66 Raymond location. Classes focus on teaching practical and conversational English to monolingual Cantonese speakers through a series of planned activities. In addition, this funding will add a part-time staff member to assist the ESL classes and tech support in English, Cantonese, and Mandarin. The modification for Park Merced YMCA will provide add back funding to support additional staffing time. Their services are based in District 7 in the Park Merced neighborhood. This additional staffing time will increase group exercise activities from only being offered on Tuesdays and Thursdays to five days per week. This includes classes such as dance and basic strength, Zumba and Tai Chi classes as well. 
Additionally, the funding will support a part-time staffer to set up and break down the furniture and other class equipment uh, for those classes. They will also facilitate additional crafts classes and other game activities. All programs were monitored in June of 2022. All were compliant with minor findings resolved and no corrective action needed. Thank you for your consideration and I am available to answer any questions. Thank you. Are there any comments or questions from commissioners? I have a question. Sure. Go ahead, um, Commissioner Jung. Thank you. Ms. Coleman, I um, just want, I guess this is more of a um, protocol or practice question. Um, first of all, uh, I can thank you for clearly uh, describing what the different, uh, the, the, the increased modification, the increase of funds uh, on the modified budget will cover. But what I noticed in looking at the attachments um, that these modifications are not included. So is, is that the general practice that you don't go back and, and modify the original um, attachments to the contracts to show the, the plan modification activities? Do you know what I'm saying? If you can um, elaborate, I could answer your question. Okay, so when when a when this is when this contract is is uh, the grant modification is brought to the commission, um, you have a cover memo and it explains the different uh, the plans for the modify the use of the modified funding, and then this reference to um, attachments Correct. to the contracts. It, it, uh, when I review the attachments, I don't see any language that covers the modification, although it is clearly defined in the cover memo that's presented to us. So my question is, um, what is the practice for contracts when you do a modification in terms of modifying the specific attachments to show what the additional funding will be used for? I would like to refer to Steve for additional support with answering your okay. question. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, Steve Kim, Contract Manager, well, Human Services Agency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, bulk of the, uh, the um, OTOs added on this particular uh, modification was a, actually a continuation of the funding from the last fiscal year. So that actually we had the uh, amounts that were incorporated as part of last year's budget that was just basically bulk of it is going ongoing support a lot of it you see is uh, kind of ongoing maintenance and administrative support uh, as like uh, maintaining or re-establishing the program that were like discontinued during the pandemic so that's why they, they don't see the significant um, changes in the scope as i think you were what you're pointing to for the additional funds so it's more of a continuation of the existing prior scope okay. it's a, it's basically uh, where the oto was added for Okay, so basically it's a um, continuation of the original contract. Right. So you don't necessarily go back and, and modify these Right, because the numbers and uh, the functions were already defined there. If you notice that some of the additions that are on the budget you see, you actually see that same amount, similar amount was added on the prior year of the budget as well. So that's why we actually have a continuation of the budget amount. Okay. Um, when for these three um, grantees, um, in terms of the service objectives, are there any changes of the service objectives for these three modifications? At this in point, I- the uh, units of service, number of people being served, and so forth? 
Yes, Commissioner Jung. Um, to address the service objective changes, there will not be any changes to any of these contracts. Um, like Steve mentioned, some are a continuation, so they will just continue at the current service objective levels, and um, they will not increase um, due to the funding, the add back funding at this time. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, I guess, uh, was this an additional person though that was, you added, some of these agencies got an additional hire. Right. Is that right. kind of what you were saying? You didn't, did you not see that in the budget? And I guess that, that's I just did. a, they, they did, they were in there, yeah. Uh, uh, correct, they are adding a new uh, administrative. Right, right, so is that, I, I just don't remember when I looked at it, was that person added? And you were, you were asking about the scope and things like that, but I just wondered if we, it, it reflects that, you know, because that was such a, particular thing that is that in there yeah good morning commissioners I'm Mike Zog program director for OCP uh, I think maybe I can provide an additional perspective because we have multiple staff working on multiple documents that all came yeah. together so the answer is that starting with our budgets you'll, you'll see the modification dollars in there I think for each one it gets an, its own column so you can see where those dollars are going now when we get to the the app A, the, the scope of services, we absolutely do look at that again to see if um, any changes are needed. Um, and I think Ms. Coleman has, Ms. Coleman has some, some more info on that. Um, the community services scopes are qu written quite broad, covering a lot of things. So I think what happened was is that you have on some of them, you have money that's continuing from previous years. So there, it doesn't appear that there is a change. Um, it's in lieu of it actually going down. It's sort of staying the same. I think on one of the grants, you see some of the numbers go up. You're not seeing it spelled out in the scope except in the deliverable numbers when you look at clients served and some of the hours performed. That's how we're sort of um, distilling that into, into performance. Okay. And I, right. I think I just answered my own question. We, we, unfortunately, we look at these things for you. <laughs> anyway, so, but that, that, that is a line item in here. So I was saying that specific person support staff, that's listed in, in here. So it's sort of like we can see a change that was specific, but the general overall objectives remained the same. We were just fulfilling that. Is that, that's how you're saying it, right? Is that, is that what you're getting I think, at? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Everyone's good? Yes, yeah. we're good. Thank you. And I, I think I do the same thing, the logic of we're told something in the first part of the report, and then when we're looking at, at it, we actually go through it and make sure we see, oh, yeah, there's that new staff person or whatever it is. We want to see that it, it got changed. So, And then it all adds up. So right. that's perfect. And then I just wanted to note um, that it seemed like you were, again, doing sort of modeling enhanced outreach, which is great. That It's great to understand that it's through these staff additions and what their, their objectives are is going to help so much in outreach, you know, and, and in, in improving outreach. So um, I just was happy to see that. So it was very clear. <laughs> so thank you. All right. Any other commissioner questions? Okay, then do we have any public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item B? Moderator, please open the phone lines for public comment on agenda item 14B. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. 
Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great, thank you. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item B from the commissioners? So moved. So from Commissioner Jung and a second. Looking out there, Commissioner Lum, thank you. Um, can we have a roll call vote on item B? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you. Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item C and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the grant agreement with Institute on Aging for the provision of high-risk self-neglect multidisciplinary team, which is known as HRSN-MDT, and the elder death review team, known as EDDRT, during the period of October 1st, 20. 22 through March 31st, 2023, in the additional amount of $76,320 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $281,952. And uh, Ben Sestados is presenting. Welcome. Dear Commissioners, Director Dearman, we are requesting authorization to modify the grant agreement with the Institute on Aging to operate our high-risk self-neglect multidisciplinary team and our elder and disabled death review team. The purpose of these two collaboration projects is to meet our state mandate to establish multidisciplinary teams and to provide coordinated preventive and remedial services to older adults and adults with disabilities who are victims of abuse. Through this grant agreement, we will continue to develop interagency treatment strategies to ensure maximum access to and coordination with existing community resources on behalf of victims of abuse and to avoid duplication of efforts. This is in partnership with Adult Protective Services and agencies such as hospitals in San Francisco, the SF Fire Department, the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing, Department of Public Health, the SF Police Department, the District Attorney's Office, the Office of the Public Guardian, Office of the Medical Examiner, and other community-based organizations and relevant professionals deemed integral to these teams. Thank you. Are there uh, any uh, comments or questions from commissioners on this item? Seeing none, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item C? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item C? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item C. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, great. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item C? I'll so, move. Uh, from Commissioner Bittner, thank you. Uh, second, Commissioner Jung, uh, could we have a roll call, please? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a vote. 
Right, Jeez. thank you so much, commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item D and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with La Raza Centro Legal for the provision of legal services for the older adults program for the period of October 1st, 2022 to the June 30th, 2024 in the additional amount of $323,458 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $900 $2,686, and uh, Michael Zog will be presenting this item. Welcome back. Hello again, commissioners. <laughs> okay. Good morning, Executive Director Dearman. Happy birthday. Um, this item before you is adding funding to our grant agreement with La Raza Central Legal, um, their legal services grant for them to take on uh, two new services on our behalf. Um, First one is adding another staff attorney position, pretty straightforward, um, in order to uh, grow the program further and serve more clients. Um, La Raza Central Legal is, um, they do serve clients citywide, um, but they are known as a mission, Latinx community and mission-focused organization. Um, they have an excellent location right at 16th and Valencia. Um, and they feature uh, extensive uh, Spanish language capacity amongst their staff. Uh, the second task that we um, that they will be taking on is taking over uh, the lead as the um, agency uh, 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 coordinating and producing our senior rights bulletin, which I have brought a couple copies of, uh, and, I, and I put a bunch of them over there. Um, it is something that's issued three times a year, um, both in a virtual and hard copy, which actually I've kind of been liking that it's, there's not a lot of hard copy stuff anymore, so it's kind of cool. I know, I uh, put that in the report. You know, you should have 8,000. Yeah, I know, right? I was like, <laughs> the circulation numbers and things. Um, and, and I think a lot of, you know, I, we're moving more and more to digital, but I think some people still like hard copies. I print some stuff out sometimes to read it. Um, but uh, 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 so they are going to take over lead for that. It had been previously administered since it started in about 2007 as a tool to um, just uh, raise awareness around um, legal issues and our providers um, and resources in the community. Um, uh, Asians, Amer Asian Americans Advancing Justice, Asian Law Caucus led uh, for many years and then uh, let us know that they, they, it was time for, for someone else to, to take over. So La Raza has agreed uh, to jump in. And what they'll do is they, um, it is a collaborative effort while they will um, sort of format it up and print it and distribute it. Our providers do get together um, to discuss content uh, with each provider um, contributing content based on expertise or, um, or, or other things. Um, and it's typically, um, you know, things that are relevant to, uh, uh, to, to the community and, and to us. Um, uh, you know, I, I brought along, like, they had a COVID special edition that talked about the, all the many changes in the rules around housing and eviction and benefits and things like that. So it's, it's pretty up to date. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Uh, I'll quickly mention we kind of have some different funding sources uh, mixing in here. Um, the new staffing position is $200,000. We're funding with new dollars coming from the state of California, um, part of their older adults resilience and recovery funding. They gave us $522,000 in total. That other $300,000 is going to appear on a, a future commission as we have another uh, project we're working on with that. Um, 
and then um, the costs related to the bulletin are $50,000. Um, that is reallocated from um, the, the, the previous uh, uh, agency that was doing this work. Uh, and then finally, we have our some CODB funding um, in here, which typically doesn't come before the commission, um, but since we're doing all these other things, we just have that in there as well. Um, any questions from commissioners on this item? Um, I do have a question. Sure. Um, I have two questions. One, um, in terms of increased staffing, increased services, so how was the need for increased services determined? Is it La Rosa came and says we, we're just overwhelmed? <laughs> Is that kind of uh, more or less? Yeah, we have we have a history of them um, performing and looking at their grant deliverables over the last couple of years. It has been it has been quite good, and they've also done some informal tracking of of, of people coming in the door and people they've had to refer out due to lack okay. of capacity. So we do feel that there is room for for growth. Okay, and then um, my second question has to do with the newsletter. Um, I'm, Thanks for clarifying about the reallocation of funds from one organization to another. But in looking at uh, La Rosa's attachment uh, appendix, mm -hmm. I did not notice that there the in information that there'd be, uh, oh, never mind, I just saw it starting November 1st. Okay. 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 <laughs> no, he's in there. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Erase that question. Okay. okay. Thank you. And any other questions from commissioners on this item? And I just had a quick question too, because I was kind of obsessed about this paper copies, which I think is great. Did, did they go to um, the, the various uh, senior centers? Is that? Yes, is, they have oh, a we, robust mailing list. And imagine um, that. And then I, I think, just wondered if those copies sit there at community well, centers. Or I haven't, I, you know, I got to ask around. We go out in the community. I haven't heard about piles sitting around. We have a box, you know, they, they send out packets to, a variety of agencies as well as some individual copies they'll mail out. But um, I know for, you know, we get a box and we work our way through it. Okay, yeah, just, and it doesn't, just curious, kind of as I was visualizing this, does it get mailed and does it sit in the community centers and that kind of thing, I imagine. That it does It does end up in lobbies and yeah. public areas yeah. for, for, yeah. for pickup, yeah. No, I'm, and again, I'm just trying to follow through with our outreach and does everyone in the city have a distribution point and, and access to this, because it seems like an excellent resource. So I'm very happy that we are still publishing it, that we provide that kind of information. Oftentimes, this is preventative law, you know, and it, it, it gets somebody information that they don't have to go through the expense to um, get, or they're, they, yeah. they, they access information that way. So it's very important, and I was just thinking about that. So thank you. Um, then any, if we don't have any other questions, do we have any public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item D? I think it said it was. Yes, it, it's currently in four languages. Those are Chinese, uh, Spanish, Vietnamese, and English. It, it had that in the report. Um, okay, that was members of the public. Any other? So, moderator, can yeah, you please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item D? We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? 
Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll uh, close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item D? I from, move. From Commissioner Bittner has uh, moved a second. Second. Commissioner Jung, uh, could we have a roll call please to approve item D? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you, we have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you, commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item E and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of an aging and disability resource center known as ADRC program for the period of October 1st, 2022 to June 30th, 2024 in the additional amount of $381,308 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $2,460,000 $53,057, and Sarah Hoferberg will be presenting this item. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Good morning, President um, Knutson, fellow commissioners, and Executive Director Dearman. Happy birthday. Uh, my name is Sarah Hoferberg, and I'm a program analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships. I'm excited to be here today with a request to authorize $381,308 to support Chinese, Tagalog, and Russian language capacity for the Aging and Disability Resource Center, or ADRC, network. ADRCs administer information, referral, assistance, and translation services at locations throughout San Francisco, providing crucial support for many older adults, adults with disabilities, and caregivers in the community. ADRC services are structured to ensure availability and accessibility throughout San Francisco, with at least one ADRC in each of the supervisory districts, thereby providing services in the community where the client lives. Over the last 10 months, and with the Commission's approval, we've been able to add an additional full-time Chinese-speaking staff person to the Self-Help for the Elderly Gein Mun ADRC in District 3, and for the first time, a full-time Chinese-speaking staff person each to the Unlock ADRC in District 8 and the Mission Neighborhood Centers ADRC in District 9, a full-time Tagalog-speaking staff person to the Sequoia Living ADRC in what is now District 5 and also serving District 6, and a half-time Tagalog-speaking staff person to the Catholic Charities ADRC in District 11. Additionally, although not large enough to require commission approval for their specific grant, Self-Help for the Elderly will be adding a full-time Vietnamese-speaking staff person to their District 3 ADRC. Today's request for authorization will continue to add language capacity staffing. The additional funding will add a full-time Chinese-speaking staff person to the Sequoia Living ADRC in what is now District 5, Increased to full-time, the recently added half-time Tagalog-speaking staff person at the Catholic Charities ADRC in District 11, and for the first time in District 9, add a full-time Russian-speaking staff person to the Mission Neighborhood Center's ADRC. Monitoring for fiscal year 21-22 was conducted in June of 2022. All programs were compliant with minor findings resolved and no corrective action needed. The Office of Community Partnerships requests for your approval for this budget modification. Thank you for your consideration, and I am happy to answer any questions the Commission may have. Great, thank you so much. Are there any uh, comments or questions from Commissioners on this item? I just have a comment. Sure. I just want to say how uh, I'm really pleased to see our moving able to move forward to fund bilingual staff. It's really important that we do have bilingual staff in the community to service those, uh, the monolingual clients. So I'm just really happy to see this moving forward. Great, thank you. Yeah. 
Um, any other commissioner comments or questions? Uh, commissioner Lum. Um, my question is, do we have any guideline as to uh, at, at what point uh, we can justify hiring additional uh, linguists on, 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 a, on a particular, for a particular group of uh, uh, seniors? If there's any guidelines, um, uh, thank you, Commissioner for, Commissioner, for the question. Um, I don't believe there's any guidelines. It's more determined through need that's exhibited either by, you know, what clients are walking through the door. Um, sometimes we, you know, get some direction from, um, from either the ADRCs themselves, from, um, I'm trying to, sorry, excuse me. Um, yeah, we get direction from the ADRCs. We look at like the numbers, who's coming through the doors and things like that, and we're able to determine, determine that way. Um, for instance, the Mission Neighborhood ADRC came to us with a need for Russian staffing, and they you know, had a number of clients coming in who needed that, and already in the last three months, they have actually hired someone through um, other funding, Then now we're picking up the funding through this uh, modification, but they've already had 160 Russian-speaking people coming through their doors since that person came aboard a few months ago. So that's kind of how it's determined. I hope that answers your question. I know I fumbled a little. <laughs> well, I, the, I guess uh, you know the the only thing that kind of uh, uh, troubles me somewhat is the fact that if we don't have a standard set up. In which you know when we can base you know on on whether or not we can justify the expenditures, uh, anyone can uh, any of the organization can say you know we need someone for you know X language or whatever. Okay, I understand that. I think I can answer that a little better. We definitely take a look at um, the the data that um, we gather. You know the data that we gather indicates you know, monolingual speaking uh, clients, um, clients' ethnic backgrounds, and things like that. So we aren't adding funding to ADRCs or hiring language um, capacity to fundings where we don't see the need. So it's definitely, like, evaluated, but there is no, like, specific standard. Thank you. Um, but it, just in general, like people coming into a center, their data is kept on that. that that's what you're... Absolutely. Doing. So everyone who comes into a center... It's all part of the, the intake. They do a demographic. Mm -hmm. right? That's how you yeah. figure out the data. Exactly. The, the increase in the numbers in a certain category. That's what I thought you were saying. Yeah, and then some of it's also, you know, through discussions and things. And another example is it's during the monitoring visit at Sequoia Living, I saw their wait lists of multiple weeks for people seeking services. So that one was an easy one. Okay, what can we do to help that wait list? We could hire someone else to um, assist in that because there is that kind of need. Because mm -hmm. a particular demographic of the wait list was Ex that. Exactly. That in need of a second language. Yes, in need of an additional Chinese speaking staff person. Right. Okay. Okay, I think that, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, any other questions or comments by commissioners on this item? Then do we have any public comment on item E? There are any members of the public that like to wish to comment on agenda item E? Um, moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item E. 
will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. All right, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item E from commissioners? So moved. Thank you. Commissioner Jung has moved a second. From Commissioner Lum, thank you. Uh, could we have a roll call vote to approve item E? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bindner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a vote. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, this concludes the action items of our meeting. Uh, what we're going to do now is the next order of business is item 15, uh, which is calling for a closed session. Uh, well, there'll be a, uh, we'll recess the regular meeting and convene in closed session. But before, and please bear with us, this is the first time we've done a hybrid <laughs> closed session, so it's going to have to be a bit methodical in terms of clearing rooms and clearing WebExes. Uh, but the first thing I need to do is make sure that we have, are there any members of the public that would like to comment on on uh, the item before we start this uh, taking this into a closed session. Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item 15? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 15. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, commissioners, the next order of business to do this is agenda item 15B. We need to vote on whether to hold a closed session for Executive Director Kelly Dearman's uh, fiscal year 22-23 uh, performance evaluation, which will require a vote by the commission. So do I have a, a motion to hold a clo closed session from commissioners? From Commissioner Bittner has moved. A second. I second. From Commissioner Jung, uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve agenda item 15B, which is to hold us the closed session. President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Ladies and gentlemen at the DOS Commission, we will now be taking a short recess to clear room 416 as well as well as stopping the live broadcast on SFGov TV as well as WebEx to start a closed session. The session will be closed and then reopened for public comment, announcements, and the adjournment. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
Okay, SFGov is ready. We can go ahead. Okay, thank you so much. Um, commissioners, we're now back in open session, um, and I would like to uh, see if we could have a motion uh, to not disclose the discussions during the closed session. Do we have a motion? I move. Uh, from Commissioner Jung, and do we have a second? I'll second. Thank you. Uh, then could we please have a roll call vote to approve agenda item 16? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Uh, yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. And then we also announced that we uh, voted to approve the performance evaluation. Okay. Commissioners, item 17 is public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? And moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thank you. Are we at announcements? Yes? Oh, we're waiting, I'm sorry. Do we have any announcements? No. Okay. Then I'm I'm going to adjourn the meeting. Thank you. Beautiful. Okay. All right. Thank you, everyone.